0: You're listening to a live recording from Westside Church in Bend, Oregon. Thanks for joining us. Well, hello, everybody. It's really great to see you today and those that are in the room as well as those that are online. Um, Today, I want to kind of point the direction of where I feel God is taking our church this year and into the years to come. And uh, as I prepared to share our vision uh, for us today, I've been reflecting on the past year. And um, I haven't... I haven't let you in on everything that um, has been going on this past year, just in me as a leader of this congregation, but it has been by far the most difficult year um, of my pastoral ministry. Um, and I know it's been hard for so many people uh, to lead in this moment, uh, a congregation where um, where you know our primary thing was like gathering together and then not being able to do that has been challenging to keep us on kind of on the same page going going in the same direction, doing what God has asked us to do. I've seen... Um an ex- just uh, a strong disunity in the, co- in the body kind of rising up. And it's not just West Side, it's c- across the board with other pastors that I talk with, the anxiety that I sense uh, in the people of the church, the fear, the difficulty in, um, in leading a church these days. And, um, and I think a lot of it is just the effects of isolation, that we're not meant to be alone. We're not meant to live uh, separate from others. And, um, and I'm thankful though, that in the middle of the storm that we've all experienced, God um, revealed his purpose for me and for our church and for where God is taking us. Really, our North Star, he kind of reminded us, kind of let the clouds uh, roll back for a moment and showed us our North Star. And as Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, and this is my North Star, this is our North Star as a church. He he wrote, for I decided, I decided, this is a decision that I've made, that while I am with you, (laughs) I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. He is the center of our vision. He is the reason why we do what we do. Um, Our whole purpose is wrapped around his person. And um, and as we move into the future, the mission that God has given us, the mission that God has given us is unchanging and it flows out of uh, our relationship with Christ that we exist as a congregation to equip you, men, women, and children to extend his life and his love to our world. Um, and the way we do that is by helping you know Jesus and become more like him. You know, it's all wrapped up in the great commandment um, and the great commission to love God with our whole, our whole selves and to love our neighbor as ourselves and, and to, to, to make disciples of all the nations. It's all wrapped up in that and that still applies today. Our mission and our message is unchanging. But this season has revealed that although our mission and message will not change, the mechanism by which the mission and the message are extended into our world absolutely needs to change. It needs reformation. That's a big kind of religious word. In in the church world, the word reformation simply means a recalibration, a, a refocusing, a leaving of some things Uh, behind in order to embrace the new things that God wants to do. And I've seen this in my life uh, over this past year in our home church. So we started a home church uh, sometime last year. It's all, you know, it's all a muddle, right? Everything, I can't remember, what month are we in? Yeah, I don't know, right? Um, but I, when we started our home church, my wife and I had been, had this desire for actually several years to gather a group of young people, um, primarily our nieces and nephews, uh, to be frank. I mean, we we wanted to gather them together. Um, they lost uh, our son, Chase, uh, four a half years ago, um, and then the loss of another cousin, and our, our nieces and nephews are like siblings, the brothers and sisters, um, in, in essence, and so it hit them really, really hard, and, and we wanted to gather them together and talk about Jesus with them, because um, because when you, when you go through any kind of trauma, sometimes your faith um, is challenged, <laughs> to put it I mean, simply, it's, it was, it's just been a really, really hard time for our family in terms of, of, of holding on to something of faith and the questions about God, about the church. Um, how many of you, you know, know a young person or have a young person in your home or have a grandchild? You know. That they think differently about the world, about politics, about God, about faith, and um, and 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 so sometimes what we what can happen is we can kind of get in a defensive posture toward this next generation. We can kind of you know put our put our are, 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 you know, kind of build walls and say, no, no, I need, you need to believe this because the Bible says so. And, 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 and they challenge that. Have you ever experienced that? They challenge kind of the, the traditionally held beliefs, right? And, and my wife and I, instead of, you know, instead of like challenging their thinking, we decided to invite them into our home and listen to their story and talk about Jesus and talk about our own struggle and our own wrestling with faith and how we um, got to the other side and, and all of that. And, and I believe so strongly, uh, probably for a lot of those, these reasons of what I've been through, but I believe so strongly that for the church to reach this generation, the church must change. Again, not the mission or message but it must change the way in which we do community, the way in which we open up our homes and our lives to this next generation. David uh, um, you you saw just a moment ago, our community pastor, he told our leaders this past Wednesday, we had a leadership meeting, that the word community, it comes from two words, common unity. Common unity and uh, common, you know, is this idea of just belonging to some shared ideology or, or, or desire or experience, or you just like the Seahawks and that's your togetherness with other Seahawk fans. Ah, oh, man, that's a bummer, I shouldn't have mentioned that right? Or you share a culture or you share a, a desire for eating or, you know, you share a cause. Um, there's this idea of commonality and then and then this unity, being together, being one with another, um, together. The, the, it's the oppo- opposite of being divided and, and, and we need this in this moment, especially in the church in, in particular. We need common unity. We need a strengthening of community. The early church experienced this. Type of common unity. They they had deep community. and, and, And if they could, which I'll explain in just a minute, then I know we can and we must. You know, the narrative of the early church is so interesting. If you read through the book of Acts, I would encourage you to do that um, at the beginning of this year. You know, you, you see right after Jesus ascended that you, the church really, after the, after the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they went out and they kind of evangelized and the people that were the initiating, the initial group of believers were primarily Jewish. Now, of course, there were people other than Jews that received Jesus on the day of Pentecost, but the body of Christ was primarily made up of Jews. And that's one of the reasons why they met in the synagogue. You know, know, that would not have been a kind of a Gentile um, experience. But, and so that, so, so it was primarily Jewish, not entirely, but primarily. And then Paul comes along. And he gets radically saved. And um, and he was a persecutor of Christians. And then he gets saved um, by Jesus. And he gets like radical about reaching the Gentiles. Um, that was his cause. That was his common cause was to reach the Gentiles. It caused so much disruption in the church. Really the rest of the New Testament is about the disruption of Gentiles and Jews trying to create a community together. And, and I love it kind of culminated in Acts chapter 15. I love this chapter. I did actually a research project in my PhD work recently on Acts chapter 15. I absolutely love this chapter. And they get all the different players together to discuss the, 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 the common unity that wasn't being experienced in the early church. So they got, they got the, some Gentile Christians. Paul was there, Peter, um, James, all the apostles. And you also have this group of Pharisees that had become Christians. They're also there. And, uh, and of course, the Pharisees that had become Christians, they are, they're arguing that every Christian, when they come to Christ, should be circumcised. Well, that's a very Jewish tradition, not a Christian tradition. And Paul's making that argument that, no, why should we put that burden on them? I mean, we couldn't follow the law, you know, as he's talking to his fellow Jewish brothers. Why should we put that on, on these Gentile brothers and sisters? And so and so they argue this out. Peter um, shares his experience from Acts chapter 10, where he had this vision of all these um, Uh, Different animals that he's not supposed to eat Being a Jew Um, But God says eat and what I've called clean, you shall not call unclean. And then, and then he's invited right after that dream, he's invited to a Gentile home and he has to go into that home and eat with them. And Jesus shows up, the Holy Spirit falls on Cornelius and his family. So Peter recounts that story in, in, in Acts chapter 15. And then James, after all of this discussion and debate, James gets up and he says these words. And I, th- this is like the, this is, this is the mission of our church moving forward and how we're going to reach this generation. I love this. He says in Acts 15, verse 19, and so my judgment is that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Let's not make it hard for them. Let's not put all of these rules and laws and stipulations on them. Let's let's not make it hard for them. What's the opposite of not making it hard? Let's make it easy for them who are turning to God. Now, now, those of us that have been a Christian for a while, we know following God is not easy. But the idea of coming to Jesus should not be hard. We, we have all of these walls that are built up and and, 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 we, just, and we, need to, we need to start tearing down walls that are keeping people from knowing Jesus. And there's plenty of things after you get to know Jesus that you gotta work out with him, but, but it shouldn't be hard for those that are turning to God. Now, Paul continues to remove barriers uh, through the rest of his letters to the church. We read about these barriers that he's trying to remove. They're primarily religious ones and, and in order for the Gentiles to meet Jesus. And now all of a sudden you have Jews and Gentiles meeting together in, in homes, in, in city squares, in civic buildings, they're, they're gathering together. And that was the early church, this diverse group of men, women, rich and poor, slave and free, um, and, and, and they're trying to make community, common unity work in the power of the Holy Spirit. It was truly a reformation. Another reformation came in 1517 when Martin Luther wrote his 95 Theses, which called the church to return to the way of Jesus away from a Catholic church, which had turned the church into, um, into uh, an institution of profiteering and political and cultural grabbing. And in much the same way as the early church reformation and and the Protestant reformation, the American church has strayed from its North Star toward grasping for cultural and political power. It has become extremely individualistic. Our faith is is so personal now. When we think about community, it, it doesn't even register. And 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 the early church was simply communal, it was. You can't get through the Old or the New Testament without realizing how uh, God's kingdom is built around deep community, a sense of oneness with Christ and with each other. That's what Paul talks about so often that we are one in Christ. He has brought us together, he writes, right? He's brought us together from different places and different ideologies and he's building his church to be one people. And, And yet, as a culture, we glorify um, living independently from everyone else. In reality, that's a lie, right? I mean, we don't, actually. We know in our gut that we're all dependent on each other to one degree or another. We need each other. We need relationship. But our deeply entrenched individualism is so apparent, it's, it's mostly apparent on social media. It's like, it's like David said this past Wednesday, it's like social media is like if our middle school selves never grew up. That's what social media has become. It's the, the prettiest, the funniest, and the most obnoxious get all the likes. That's my middle school experience. There's almost zero deep connection there though. There's almost zero deep connection between humans. No face-to-face interaction. It's easy to escape. There's no investment in relationship. And I love what Pastor David said. He said, I think one of the reasons why we see the extremes on both the right and the left increasing is because we have abandoned the space for deep, consistent, face-to-face relationships that build spaces of humility, hospitality, and faith. We've, we, we've lost that, and it's not just because of COVID. We had already lost it. COVID just simply revealed it. That we have lost contact, real face-to-face, loving interaction with others. I love what Paul writes in in the first chapter of his letter to the uh, Corinthian church, his first letter to the Corinthian church. I appeal to you, he writes, dear brothers and sisters, I appeal to you by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather, be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. How do we experience that kind of common unity? It is through community. It's the only way you get there, by interacting with one another, by building deep and meaningful and authentic community with one another. Um, One of the ways that God decided to do this in his church, to reform his church, to reclaim community through his church is by moving us from a programmatic view of the church to be a holistic view of the church away from what we do to who we are um, as followers of Jesus, a more real and raw version of the church that's being birthed in, in this day. I believe that. that God, see, God allowed his church buildings to be closed. I don't think he caused COVID, but I think he allowed it to sh- do something to shake his church out of the individualistic, non-communal nature that it had become to help us step back and reevaluate what the church is and what it's become and how do we as the church choose to live together in community and it's really built around this kind of these three environments that we have a, in our church and most churches have these three environments but it's a kind of a reemphasis of of one in particular but you know, this past season for me has, re, has revealed our deep need for connection. I'm missing meeting together. I'm just, uh, this is the largest crowd we've had in our church uh, since um, the, the shutdowns. And it's really great to see you all here. Um, but you know what this season's revealed is not only the, our deep need for connection, but how Sunday's never really met that, even prior to COVID. I mean, think about it. You know, you come in for an hour, you sit wherever you want in a dark room and you leave, you might talk to a few people for a minute. Is that community? No, that's not community. It's important. And we're all missing Sundays because of the lack of connection. We do need face-to-face interaction, even if it's just for a minute. Sundays are important for building unity, feeling like we're part of something bigger than ourselves, celebrating what God is doing through us all. But what happened over the last two decades or so, is that the Sunday gathering became the primary way, if not the only way for many, where we experience God and grow in him and in relationships with each other. And it's simply not built for that. A second kind of environment is outreach. It's become a pillar of our ministry here at Westside, and I absolutely love um, the shift that's happened over the last several years for, for the City Initiative. It made a real impact in our community, uh, serving our na- neighbors, meeting tangible needs. It's literally changed the face of faith, of how people see uh, the followers of Jesus because of our love for them in tangible, practical ways. It's earned us the right now to have deeper conversations about faith and our hope in God. But this third environment is, I believe, one of the ones that's been lacking in our church, in many churches, where deep community, where real and lasting transformation happens, where iron sharpens iron, where people are truly cared for by others. God is calling Westside, and he's been calling us for several months now to move away from being a predominantly Sunday-driven church toward a holistic, experience of Sunday community and outreach all working together to develop more complete disciples of Jesus you know prior to COVID it was easy for someone to uh, attend a Sunday gathering for a decade or more and miss the fundamental experience of sharing life with others um Prior to, yeah, I had a two-year stint where I wasn't in ministry, and I was just, you know, normal guy working a normal job and attending a normal church, and I absolutely loved walking in a few minutes late, sitting all the way in the back, and just a couple, just while the pastor says, let's close our eyes and pray, I'm like, where's the door? I'm going to get out of here, so I don't have to talk to anybody. That was, that is the experience of many people in church prior to COVID, um, and we miss out on the relationships that God wants to foster in our lives. And, and so this year, I mean, we're gonna still gather, right? We're, I know that the, 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 you know, we're gonna be able to be all together again. I'm, I'm confident of that. We're gonna still be focused on for the city and, and loving our neighbors and truly you know, uh, you know, loving them in tangible ways. But we are going this year to prioritize community as a place of growth for us what does that mean practically it means we want everyone who calls west side their home church to be committed and connected to a community group. Now, we're using that phrase community group, it's gonna be the phrase we use rather than blue groups or home churches or life groups. It'll be everything that we do in community uh, in smaller gatherings we call community groups. And I want everyone, I'm encouraging everyone who calls Westside their home to get connected to one as this year progresses. Um, And it will require a massive reorienting of how we think about church. Is church a place that I go or a people that I'm with is it is it a set of doctrines that I believe or is it a relationship that I foster we have to change our thinking is it individualistic well my, my faith is personal <laughs> or is it communal is it consumeristic or is it collectivistic God's challenging us to move from individualism to a sense of community. And I know not everyone's ready to start meeting in homes because of COVID. I get that. And so everybody just take a deep breath. That's totally fine. If you're not ready for that, that's totally fine. I just don't want us to miss what God is saying to to us in our church and how we will move toward that vision increasingly so together as this year progresses. Now, There's some fears out there. Let me just address a couple of them, okay? I know that those who have done small groups in the past, you might be kind of like, been there, done that. I got the t-shirt, and I don't want to do it again. (laughs) Um, And I want to encourage you. I'm not talking about a program. I'm not talking about like, it's, it's, it's a wholesale shift in how we think about becoming like Jesus that it happens in community, it happens in smaller settings. That's where we really grow in our faith. Um, as I shared this vision with our church council last week, a group of lay um, elders, one person said that for years, Sunday was the primary expression for them. They called it the main course. Um, and everything was just everything else. But, but this vision, they said, as I shared it, they, were, it, they said it represents a shift where doing life in community now it becomes the main course, the main meal. And Sunday is simply the dessert where we gather to celebrate what God is doing in our faith community. That's, that's the shift in our thinking that I want to see happen in our church. And by the way, um, what I'm talking about is more than a Bible study. And I, I'm not opposed to Bible studies, but what I'm talking about is doing life together with others, caring for one another's needs, praying for each other, holding each other accountable, learning from each other, loving each other. It's more than just a Bible study. And, I, and we're gonna dig into the Bible in these groups, but it's not about that. It's not, we're not gonna try to figure out how to defend our faith in a, in a post-Christian world. We're, not, we're gonna do life together. We're going to build relationship with one another we're going to learn how to love each other even those that we disagree with and how to have conversations with people that are younger than us or older than us and we don't have anything in common with we're going to figure this out because jesus wants us to be one in him he wants us to live in community together now i know this freaks some people out you know what primary group this freaks out men and I can say that because I am one. You want, you're, some of you are thinking, you just want me to open up my soul to a stranger. No. I mean, not right away. <laughs> I, want, I, want, I want you simply to simply open your door right now. That's all I'm asking. It's like, just invite some people into your life and then see where the relationships go. See what God does with those relationships. I don't, I'm not gonna you know, ask you to bear your soul day one or something like, hey, here's my life and this is what my struggles and here's my addictions and this is how many times I watch porn and I'm not gonna ask you to do that, not right away. But just to open your life up to some people, some meaningful relationships that you can do life together. So when those trials and temptations do come, you have people around you to support you and care for you and help you and not judge you and not condemn you. And the reason why this is all, this is important because we can no longer live in isolation and individualism. It's killing us and it's killing the church. We can't, we can no longer do that. And so we're going all in on this as a church. You're going to get tired of me talking about it And we need you, each of you, to engage, to help create safe places where we can do life with one another, where relationships can be fostered, where we can belong and grow together, where people are cared for, where where we might even disagree significantly about different things, but it won't break us, where we can have honest, open, vulnerable conversations with people who may not be like us. And we don't get defensive or combative. Community groups that have Jesus at the center and truly figuring out how to love each other authentically. So I'm I'm hoping you'll join me. I'm hoping you'll join me. You'll get increasingly uncomfortable if you don't being here at Westside. So as the year progresses, we're going to communicate more and more about this, how to, how to launch, how to connect with one. Um, if you're interested in leading a group, you can connect with us now. Just reach out to us this week. Maybe you already have a group going. Maybe it's one of the old live groups or maybe it was a blue group. But, but I, and I think that's awesome. Just let us know so that we can connect with you and resource you. I want to close with a vision that God gave my wife um, back in the mid '90s. Uh, we planted the church in Sisters out of Westside Church in 1995, and Suzanne, um, it was it was one of those. It was like it was like Acts chapter 10, where the, where God showed Peter the the food that came. It was a literal vision, um, and that doesn 't happen very often in my wife or my life, but it happened to my wife Suzanne right before we launched the church and sisters and 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 so I want to share that vision and then i'm going to I feel like God wants me to combine it with the vision I shared with you a couple years ago about the waters of the Deschutes River rising up and flooding some of you might remember that vision of flooding um, every area of central Oregon and beyond with the life and the love of Jesus that that it, there would, there would every neighborhood would be covered by these waters and and, and every school and Every workplace and government building there was just to be this sense that the, that, the, that the gospel of Jesus was expanding um, through us, and so i 'm going to combine these two pictures. but let me give you the vision that God gave to Suzanne. Uh, it was on a, a river not um, not unlike the Deschutes River, but it was more upstream it wasn 't that nice calm that flows through the old mill, you know, with everybody on nice little rafts and laughing and drinking and all that. It was, it was rapids. And, and her and I were on a raft uh, with a few other uh, people that were part of our, our, our congregation at the time. And we're on this raft and, and as we're coming down the rapids, there's this people, this hundreds and thousands of people just in the water, they're just barely able to keep their heads above water, and they're they're drowning, and then, and Suzanne, the whole vision is about this, the people in the raft reaching out and just grabbing as many souls as, as we possibly can into the boat, and then they, and then they start doing the same thing. It's just this picture of what God wanted to do in the church and sisters to see people come to know him. And the people in the raft are becoming more like him. You see what what God's saying here. And and then when I thought about this, that vision with the one that God gave me a couple of years ago, I started thinking about, like, I just, I, I started seeing thousands of rafts with Westsiders. And wherever the waters go, that's where Westsiders are at. And they're looking for opportunity to bring other people into the boat and how to care for the people who are already in the boat. And there's just this picture of community on mission in our our city and in our region. Jesus said that out of you will flow rivers of living water. And God is calling us to do life together. And Jesus said, the world will know the world will know that you are my disciples. The world will know that I am the son of God because of your love for one another. Demonstrate in acts of kindness and compassion toward each other. So church, let's get in the raft together. Let's get in thousands of rafts together and invite other people to join us and be part of what God is doing In this generation, let's pray. Jesus, I know we need you in order for this to work, for people from different walks of life, with different ideas about how the world works, even with different ways of interpreting scripture. Jesus, I'm thinking about the diversity of people in our body, even presently, probably in this room right now and certainly watching online. Lord, this, that you would bring us together to be one in you, that we would find community, deep relationships because of our growing interaction with you, Christ, that you would en- enable us and infuse us with your spirit to reach out in love to those around Around us to 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 listen and to learn and to seek to be to understand before trying to be understood and help us to to walk in your presence help us to walk in love toward one another help us to enlarge our circle of relationship and include other people uh, in this journey called life we need you Jesus we need your Holy Spirit to lead us and direct us to help us to not argue and fight um, but to but to but to wrestle with and try to understand what you're saying to this generation and to to walk out your love and your grace and your mercy and your kindness and the fruit of the spirit every single day in relationship with one another. So help us, Jesus, and help us to open our hearts and our homes to the work of your spirit in this generation, we pray in your name, amen. Amen, love you guys. Have an amazing, amazing day and hope to see you soon.